I want to read for you again Psalm 66, 1 through 12. Kat read it earlier. I just want to have it in your ears again. I'm not going to specifically reference it again, but, well, kind of, but I'm not going to tell you when it's being referenced. How about that? Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. Can you picture that? All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing the praises of your name. Come and see what God has done, his awesome deeds for mankind. He has turned sea into dry land. They passed on through the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice in him. He rules forever by his power. His eyes watch the nations. Let not the rebellious rise up against him. Praise our God, all peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us, out of, you brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and water but you brought us to a place of abundance. So we are in the season of Lent. We've been in Lent for a while. I've talked about that in the past, and we'll talk about it some more tonight. We have uh, four Sundays before we are approaching Good Friday and Resurrection Saturday and our Easter celebration on Easter Sunday. And... From here on out, we're really going to be dealing with the specifics of Lent. Lent is a season of reflection leading up to the celebration of the resurrection of Christ. It's a time to reflect on the passion of Christ. That is the suffering of Christ. A time for us to consider, maybe again, our compromises. Places that we've compromised our faith. Places that we haven't been faithful We've made those excuses that we talked about early, earlier. And to pursue again discipline and discipleship and obedience to Christ. And to pursue maybe what it means to find our identity in Christ. Because our identity is found in Christ. I was at a concert last night and they were talking quite a bit about that. But I noticed that they missed something. Probably always time you're going to miss something when you're talking about that huge of a concept. But you are a child of God. We are God's children brought into his family. And maybe you've come to realize that at some point in your life, you've been like, my goodness, I can remember where I was. I can literally, I could drive you there because it's not very, we'd walk there almost. So the corner, I told you before maybe, on the corner of a first in Pearl stoplight, it's like, oh my goodness. I'm a child of God. Oh my, are you kidding me? God like God like God? <laughs> like, holy smokes, God? Those epiphanies that we have, right? And then we, we hear it, and hopefully we, we embrace it, and we internalize it, and we're like, yeah, wow. I'm a, I'm a child. I'm a child of God. 
right? But then sometimes it can turn into like, <clears throat> I'm a child of God, right? And we need to be reminded of, of returning to the epiphany that we first had when it's like, I'm a child of God? Remembering that, yes, we are. We're children of God. There's life found and formed in, in that realization and in that epiphany as we learn to live as children of God, honoring with our words and with our deeds and with our thoughts our Heavenly Father and bringing Him glory, reflecting His image in the world. And that's the piece we really have to focus on, not just like I'm a child of God for my own sake. We need to embrace that, but then we need to grow up along the way and realize that we're supposed to bring honor to our Heavenly Father. Like, think about this. We are children of the one true king. It's beautiful. We're royalty. Princes and princesses. However, as much as being royalty may ring to us as a status or a position or a privilege, we have to keep in mind that this king that we serve walked amongst this earth and was crucified. This king is a king who laid his life down for us. And we are called to bring him honor by living a cruciform life. All things Jesus come through the cross. Think about it this way. Jesus did not bring life into the world through a means other than suffering and death. Even the life given through the healing of a person in Jesus' life, like, say, Lazarus, or the Canaanite woman's daughter, or the man born blind, or we could go all the way down the list, the things that he did before he was crucified. Those things would have ended in death if the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus on the cross didn't take place. Life was brought into the world through Jesus' sacrifice, suffering, and death. Why would we think that we could do otherwise? When we want to see life brought into our communities, when we want to see people flourish, why in the world would we think that we can do it in some way other than us having to sacrifice? Other than us having to lay down our lives? other than us having to face death. We're duped when we think we can glorify the king and bring life to a world by avoiding suffering. We want it easy, right? We want it just to be easy to follow Jesus. We want it to be easy to glorify God. We, we want that, right? I get it. And sometimes when all of a sudden it gets really hard, we're like, golly, it should be easy. Sometimes people will even be like, I'm not sure if God's with me all of a sudden because now it's really hard. Right? He must be with me when it's easy, not with me when it's hard. But what we see in Jesus is it's almost the other way around. We're too easily seduced, duped, domesticated, bought off 
thinking we can bring life to a world and glory to a king and avoid the way of our king and glorifying our king. That would be like if my dad was a really nice guy, if he was a really nice guy. He's not here, so I can say that. And I was going to honor my dad by being a jerk. Right? Would that be honoring my dad by being a jerk if my dad was a nice guy? Of course not. So how can we honor a king who suffers by trying to avoid all suffering? Because of this way in which we are so susceptible to seduction, we are called to be in a near constant state of formation, of Christ being formed in you. A transformation, a formation into our king's likeness, you sons and daughters of God Most High. There are three metaphors that I want to use over the next four weeks to talk about this process of formation that we need, that we need to be attentive to, that we need to return to, that we need to talk about. And it is these three to be refined, which we're going to talk about tonight, to be pruned, and then just to die. So today, refine, be refined. Refined, which can be also translated testing. It's actually a metallurgical term, referring to the process of purifying metals. The basics of refining honestly haven't changed too much over the centuries, but in order to understand this picture, this metaphor for transformation of refining, we need to talk a little bit about what this process looked like in the ancient Near East. Not a tremendous amount of detail, don't worry. The process starts by taking some kind of a ore a large rock, say. And if you have it in a big rock form, you need to break it into pieces. Remember, this is an image for our transformation, okay? Our formation is refining, okay? Keep that in mind this whole way through. So this, this big rock is taken and, and is broken into pieces, small pieces, exposing what's within it and making it more susceptible to what's about to follow. Because the rock is made up of all sorts of things all sorts of impurities. But the rock also has something in it of great value, precious metals like gold or silver. The breaking of the rock is necessary to begin the refining process to expose more of the surface to the heat. Our hearts are rough and stony and impure. They're rocky. And they need refining. They need to be, quite honestly, broken down. This process of being broken down is alluded to in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29, that says, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, like a hammer that breaks a rock into pieces? You see, we participate in ways of injustice 
And God's word is like a refiner breaking rocks. That heart, that hard heart to expose what is within us is his word. Breaks our hearts when maybe just among other things, we stop to consider the way in which we've acted toward him and toward others. You ever just have your heart broken when you think about your own failure to love people? When you know what you're supposed to do, but you just don't do it, you just don't care, you just become complacent. Your heart grows jaded. You're like, I don't really give a crap about that person. And then the word of God made flesh. Jesus himself speaks to us. And our hearts are broken because we recognize that we are really messed up. But remember, when God does that, just as the refiner's intentions are good and bringing out the inherent value in the rocks, that's his desire. So to our God's intentions, good in breaking our own hearts. The refiner then takes that broken, crushed ore and places it into a crucible, a fireproof melting pot. And then places that crucible into a furnace at the temperature necessary for beginning the process of removing impurities. Proverbs 17.3 says, The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold. But as we've already talked, the Lord tests, He refines the heart. Just as the refiner uses a furnace to purify precious metal, God uses the heat of suffering and hardship. Suffering and hardship that are part of God's loved but broken world. And that will, regardless of how we want to try and avoid it, will find us. Right? Like sometimes we're just walking down the street and all of a sudden, suffering comes upon us. It could be as simple as a, a sprained ankle or it could be as complicated as a brain aneurysm. That you have or somebody you love has. It could be as, as simple as losing your wallet. It could be as complicated as having your house catch on you. It will find us. But it can refine us. It can purify our hearts and form His character in us. The heat of suffering. As the ore melts in the crucible, the refiner watches closely. And a layer of impurities called dross eventually forms on the surface. Proverbs 25.4 says, Remove the dross from the silver, and the silversmith can produce a vessel. For us individually, dross represents any misplaced dependency. Any wrong motives, wrong attitudes, wrong actions. Anything that distorts God's image in us is an impurity, is dross. The dross is the part of us that lives arrogantly out of step with God's justice and His mercy. Have you ever noticed that under the pressure of suffering, much is revealed about our character? Remember this refining and testing idea? It's the same kind of 
concept? The question was, when something gets hard, what are you going to do? What will you do in the face of adversity, in the face of suffering, in the face of hard times? Will you ease your lot by compromising your principles? Will you make your life a little bit easier to escape suffering, but trample on the blood of Christ? Will you abandon the call of God because of the pressure of the world? Or will you maintain, as John the seer puts it in the book of Revelation, not shrink back from death? Because that's what his faithful saints are called to do, to not shrink back from death, to, in the face of suffering, maintain faithfulness, maintain the way of the cross when you actually have to carry a cross. Will you do that and be refined? And of course, all this process just doesn't happen at once, right? This process of impurities coming out of us just doesn't happen all at once. I hate to tell you this, but it seems as though it's just an ongoing process. Because as the ref- after the refiner carefully skims off the first batch of impurities, the first batch of dross, he then stokes the fire with his billows, producing more heat that brings more impurities to the surface surface that he then skips off, skims off. Again and again, this process continues up to seven times, we are told. In ancient writings, the refiner skims off impurities that rise to the surface. Psalm 12, 6 says, And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible like gold refined seven times. Jesus, the word of God, comes and is perfect. And he does this work of refining us over and over. And I wish it only happened seven times for us people. The refining process takes a time. (laughs) A time being a lifetime. Not to say that, praise God, all seven or all of those moments come in the same moment or just one after another, after another, after another. That's not usually the way it works. We do find some moments of of peace and of having it a little bit easier somewhere along the way. Not everybody has that. Some people do have one thing after another, after another, after another, throughout their whole lives until they die. We seem to be at a time when it's not quite that bad. Who knows what tomorrow will bring, though. But each time, with great skill and long-suffering on the part of the refiner himself, because if you've ever done this, it's not easy. It's usually sweaty. you got a risk of being burned. It's dirty work. It's not easy work. With great skill and long-suffering on the part of the refiner, the dross is removed. And it leaves behind pure and pure silver or gold. The book of Job speaks of this process when it says, He knows the way that I take. When He has tested me, or when He has refined me, I will come forth as gold. To gauge this process, this fascinates me. This is not something, I had a metallurgy degree Back when I went to Central. 
and then they, we didn't do this. This just sounds really dangerous to me. But it's said that in an ancient Near East, to gauge this process, it makes sense, the refiner looks for his own reflection on the surface of the silver-filled crucible. The more dross is removed, the less distortion in his reflection. So he's looking for, as he's refining the silver, his own image in the silver. It's kind of interesting. Only when the refiner looks into the crucible and sees a clear reflection of himself is he satisfied with the process. Finally, the silver attains its highest degree of purity. That's a good, that's a good, that's a good, that's a good, that's a good cat. Isaiah 48 says, See, I have refined you, though not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. So being refined, that's quite a metaphor to use to speak of our life being formed in the image of God, being reformed in the image of God being formed into the way of Christ Jesus, that of course, right? It all makes sense. We, how else would you be formed in the way of Christ, the king who came and when was crucified, died on a cross and suffered for us, than to go through these journeys ourselves? Doesn't sound very pleasant, though. <laughs> I don't think it's intended to. It's not a pleasant thought in many ways to go through fire. But it is a pleasant thought concerning the outcome. Because when we go through these processes, we receive a peace in our lives that's bigger than anything the world can throw at us, right? Once you've gone through it and survived it, you, you, you know what God will do in the midst of it if you face it again, right? I don't want to pick on the Stanfield family too much, but I'm going to pick on them for just a second, right? Because they've been through it these last number of weeks, right? But amazingly, God has shown up, and I'm not trying to by any means say any of this is easy. It's not easy. It's quite the opposite, right? But in this journey, I imagine, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't even speak on your behalf in any way, but just tell me if I'm wrong. If that happened again, would it be a tiny bit easier to know how much this community rallied behind? And I'm no, by no means amongst God's faithfulness. Is that I think that's the way this stuff works, right? And then we're, we're, we're more willing and, and, and equipped then, not just to deal with it when suffering comes our way, but to actually not like look for it, but we're willing to engage it for the sake of what somebody else is going through. To like be God's image and going to somebody else who is suffering. Because you experience somebody else coming to you and God's faithfulness in the midst of all of that. And you want to be that. You want to glorify your heavenly Father. You want to, as you've been refined, reflect His image in the world that you come into contact with, into the people that you come into contact with, and the situations of desperation you come into contact with. This excuse-making that we do, sometimes, oftentimes, is because we don't trust God quite enough. And... It's, it's not something I'm trying to make you feel guilty over. I'm just trying to address it as what the, what the real problem is. 
When we see desperation in our world, when we see people in homelessness and addiction, we just want to avoid it because we don't think God could actually do something about it, right? But, but he can. And as we experience God actually transforming the lives of people in those situations, suffering alongside of them as they're dealing with their stuff, we get to see this God whose image is reflected in our lives and onto our lives, showing up and making a difference in, in people. Absolutely. It produces in us a character that is steadfast, a character and a faith that is faithful, and hope that is bigger than even the grief of death. We truly are like ore. Every one of us, we're a mixed bag of impurities. But praise God, the impurities don't define us. Our value is not lost because we are a mixed bag, right? Even because we, we don't get it right all the time, because we don't, we don't follow through in being faithful. We don't let God refine us. Even that, it's, it's a, that's part of what this being a mixed bag is. And, and our value, though, is not lost because of it. Within us is worth that is far more valuable than silver or gold, right? You are way more valuable than a pile of gold. All the gold in the world I wouldn't trade for my son. Right? I wouldn't trade the gold of the world for any one of you. If a metallurgist can see a bunch of rocks and can value those rocks because he knows there is something of great worth lying within them, how much more does our God, whose image, in whose image we are made, how much more does that God who made you see you and know the value that lies within you? The metallurgist is willing to painstakingly work and suffer to refine silver from rock. How much more is your heavenly father willing to painstakingly work to refine you? You who are of infinitely more worth than silver or gold. All metaphors. All metaphors break down. At some point, there's no perfect metaphor. Unlike rocks, unlike ore that's gathered for refinement without any say in whether or not they're going to be gathered, we have a, a free will. And we can kind of resist this process. We can't avoid suffering, but we can resist the process of refinement. God doesn't lord his power over you. He seeks us and desires us to seek him. He will not force you to surrender to the process of refinement. He will not force you to submit. He will draw you to him. And he will use all things to do so. But we have to surrender. We're not just a bunch of rocks lying around in a field or in a pit or any place else. We're people. And we have to surrender to God. We have to surrender to this stuff, right? Suffering is going to come our way, but the question is, are you going to surrender to God's refining process when it comes upon you? Are you going to trust him? Or are you going to compromise? Are you going to trust him and maintain faithfulness to the way of Christ? 
Or are you going to do whatever you have to do to avoid being refined? I mean, it's kind of foolishness when we don't, because we probably can't do a whole lot to change our suffering in any given situation anyway. So we might as well allow this God who loves us, who sees value in us, to refine us. And unlike the fire of the furnace always stoked by the refiner, we often always also often also often also we often can't get words out of our mouths. We also often make the heat ourselves. Right? Heat is just often a consequence of our own rebellion. But praise God that he will even use that to refine us. He doesn't say, well, since you made your own fire, since you made your own heat, since you made your own suffering, deal with it. Right? We're like rocks jumping into the fire. And then resisting the refinement. <laughs> nope, just want to burn. We need to trust that God can do this. We need to seek him, to let him speak to us, to let him go through this process of refining, this process of having our eyes open to the things that we do, the things that go on in this world, the things that we choose, the brokenness that exists, the way that we make poor decisions. And boy, too, it's worthy of mention that sometimes it's not us that's making the fire. Sometimes it's our loved ones, our friends, our family. Sometimes there's a lot of reasons that there is suffering in the world around us. But if we only allow God to refine us through it, he will. Regardless of the source of heat. We are called to surrender ourselves to it and allow God to refine us. So what is the dross in your life, this Lenten season, that needs to be burned out of you? What is it? Where have you compromised your discipleship? kind of fear do you have that keeps you from Jesus, from being like Jesus? Do you fear your enemy so much that you're unwilling to be Christ-like to him or her? Because Jesus wants to refine that out of us. I think sometimes we, we fail to recognize the, the resurrection for what it is. And I don't want to rush there too fast since we're in the 46 days prior to the day of resurrection. But my goodness, what a privileged position we stand and endure our suffering from, knowing that our suffering not only can produce perseverance, but those of us who suffer like Christ, with Christ, will not just share in his suffering, but share in his resurrection. Imagine the prophets that came before us that hadn't the notion of resurrection. 
They were just faithful all the way until they died. Not knowing what in the world was going to happen. Not that we really know that much of what's going to happen. But we do have this hope that death isn't the end. How much more should we be able to, from this vantage point, be able to allow God to refine us? Where have you compromised your faith? These are things sometimes we need to just pray about. We need to sit quietly and just think about asking the Holy Spirit to lead us. How have I compromised my faith? How have I been duped by the world around me to put my value in the wrong place? How have I failed to pursue discipline and obedience? How have I even maybe twisted what it means to have my identity in you around the Lord God? Maybe we need to ask some of those questions in community and through prayer. So I just got one question for you at the end of all of this. Just one. Will you, since you're not just a bunch of rocks, Will you surrender to the process? Will you surrender to God's process of refining you? Let's pray. Gracious Lord Jesus, we just praise you so much that you do work in our lives, that you do want to refine us, that you, you do want to, as oh goodness, as horrific as it sounds in many ways, burn impurities out of us. Forgive us for the way in which we reject this, deny this, don't want any of the hard stuff. We just want the good stuff. Challenge us, Heavenly Father. Encourage us. I also pray that you would be patient with us, and I know that you are. Help us, Lord Jesus, to have our eyes open during these days leading up to our celebration of your resurrection. Lead us to the the places in our lives where we really need to surrender ourselves to you. Help us to question our motivations, to question everything that we maybe sometimes think that we know, bringing it back to to the Gospels, bringing it back to the Gospel, bringing it back to you, Word of God, and checking it and asking if our motivations are wrong or our ideas are wrong or the worldview that we have is wrong and it needs to be adjusted to align with your image. Have your way in us, Holy Spirit. Take our stony hearts and make them soft. Refine us, Father. I just pray for this whole group of people right now. You, Holy Spirit, I know you know what's happening in people's lives right now and the suffering they're going through and the causes of the suffering that they're going through. But regardless, I know that you want to take those experiences and that you want to use those to refine people, to bring your image out in people, to take the dross and the impurity away. Father, help us. Help us who are, speak for myself, sometimes just cynical. Help us to trust you. Help us to stand up for what we know is right. We love you, Jesus, and we praise you. Amen.